So I am curious this morning, how many of you take supplements of some sort? Can I see that? So many individuals in their desire for better health supplement their diet with vitamins or food supplements to increase such things as calcium or B12 or vitamin C or vitamin D or whatever it may be. And then there are some products that people swear by. You'll hear these on the radio a lot. Even uh, some of them sponsor certain radio shows. How many of you have heard of Joby's uh, Pollen? That uh, I think Tony Rizzo in his sports talk show is sponsored by. Uh, then there is other things that people take like fish oil and so forth because it's good for you. Although I've tried uh, taking a fish oil supplement, I ended up belching like the rest of the day. But uh, nonetheless, it seems as though uh, we will take the extra effort to try to improve our health or improve the quality of our life. And some of these are additives that I've just mentioned, or maybe they are other things that you're aware of that I'm not. But what if I told you that there are two things that will enable you to experience more joy and happiness in your life, would you take them? Would you make it a priority? Well, it's these two things, believe it or not. Strenuous activity and sleep are two supplements that will enhance our ability to have joy and happiness in our life. And what you have to do is adjust your lifestyle uh, to receive the biggest benefits of these couple of supplements. And that's where we kind of fall short. Am I willing to pay the cost of these two supplements? Well, we have been talking a little bit uh, out of Matthew chapter 13, and I've been using one parable in Matthew 13, verses 43 and 44. I want to remind you of it, and it does have a tie into this, but listen first to the parable again. It says, Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and in his joy he went and sold all that he had, and he bought that field. So we've been looking at this parable from a few different angles. Here's the angle that I want to take today. And the angle is, how much strenuous activity did that man need to exert to find the buried treasure? When we read something like this, we don't, often don't use our imagination. Maybe it took him days to find this buried treasure. We don't know. Maybe it took a lot of effort, how far down was it buried into the ground, and so forth. And at the end of the day, after he did find this buried treasure, was he exhausted? Did he need a good night's sleep? So Essie and I started season seven of this show called Alone. Have you ever seen this? It's on Netflix. And there are 10 individuals that are dropped off in this season in uh, the Arctic, and all they have is 10 things to survive for 100 days. And if they survive 100 days, they'll win a million dollars. But they come up against cold, they come up against animals, they come up against all these different things, and whoever is standing at the end of 100 days, they're the winner. But a lot of times people have to tap out because they get dehydrated, exhausted, or perhaps they get hurt in some way. 
And so many times what happens is in our life, we sometimes will back off of these couple of supplements because it takes some effort, especially the strenuous activity part of it. Um, but what we find is how many of you have felt good after you've done a project, you've exerted a lot of effort, you're exhausted, you're going to sleep good that night, but after you were done with it, you kind of go, oh man, that makes me feel good, that it's complete, it's done. I don't care what it might be, uh, it is something that you desired to achieve or accomplish, and when you put forth the effort, it brought to you an element of joy because you were able to push through it. How many times have you ever then wanted to give up? Depends on what the project is. Uh, for me, if it was a plumbing project, I wanted to give up about a dozen times. And, you know, there are different things have different difficulties and so forth. So I want us to think about these two things as it relates to this idea of where can we continue to increase our level of joy and happiness. Well, I read for you earlier 1 Timothy uh, chapter 4, verses 6 through 10. Now, there's a couple of things here that's quite important. And when you read the Bible, some of these things will jump out at you, and you'll tend to miss some other things. So it says, if you put these instructions before the brothers and sisters, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, nourished on the words of faith and of sound teaching that you have followed. Now, that is what probably will jump out at us. We need to have faith, we need to trust God, we need to believe His Word. And it goes on, and I love this contrast, have nothing to do with profane uh, myths and old wives' tales. That's another way of saying don't get caught up in superstition. Think clearly and use wisdom uh, to be able to discern what is good or what is bad for your life. Then he uses an illustration in verse 8. Or while physical training is of some value, godliness is valuable in every way, holding promise both for the present life and the life to come. Again, it's easy to make that about spirituality. But notice he says here that physical training is of some value. Now his point is to make a contrast, but he is saying what uh, scientists and doctors have said for many, many years, that to get up, to move, to burn calories is of great value to us. So the thing that they have in common, whether it is physical training or spiritual training, comes at the end here when he talks about, um, or to this end, we have to toil and struggle. So all of us know that if we want to get in shape, there's some struggle involved, right? It takes some effort. Well, that's true spiritually as well. And that's the main point Paul is trying to make. He's writing to Timothy, and he is telling Timothy, stay with your understanding of what you learned from your family about God and about faith. Don't let anybody get you off course. But in this, he tells us that there is this certain physical training that people go through if they want to accomplish something. So. I work with this lady uh, over at the funeral home that wears an Apple watch, and it, she has an app on it, and it has a circle, and you have to take so many steps a day to complete that circle, you know? 
So she's obsessed with this. Yes, I'm talking to you, Tara, if you ever watch this. And um, she just is obsessed with physical activity and exercise. And, and she, you know, she says, oh, I've got so much more to go before this circle is completed, you know. So there is this idea of those that are kind of obsessed with uh, physical fitness can almost become uh, obsessed with it. However, if you were to Google strenuous activity and or even exercise in the Bible, you're not going to get many hits. And there's a reason for that. Two to 3,000 years ago, life was pretty hard. They lived in the heat. You walked everywhere you went. You were exercising every day just to stay alive. Now, here we are. We kind of live in a sit-on-your-rear kind of society for the most part. And the advent of the Internet and other things cause us to sit more. And if you look at your phone app and you hit the health app, you go, I only walked 3,000 steps today? It's amazing. You don't realize, I think, how sedentary you become when you're working behind a computer and that type of thing. So you won't find a lot in the Bible about exercise simply because they were very active society. Even a hundred years ago, they were more active than we are today. So what I see happening is that the more sedentary we become, the more it has an effect upon our health. And so to even take this little thing uh, here where it says physical training is of some value, we need to take that to heart and get up and walk and move around more than probably we are currently doing. Even young people, it seems, are not as active as they once were. They're active in sports in like Little League or organized uh, type of uh, uh, balls, uh, ball games, and that type of thing. However, when I was growing up, here we go, I'm showing my age, we got out on the streets at 9 o'clock in the morning, and we had to be in by the time the streetlights were on. I mean, we were out doing things all day long. Now, on the street where I live, I'm encouraged, there's a bunch of smaller kids, and they're outside quite a bit. And I'm encouraged, uh, maybe it's their parents that are saying, get outside and play, that type of thing. But we see that there's an emphasis on that. If you watch uh, professional football, you'll see commercials that, uh, that say, play 60. Have you ever seen that, play 60? In other words, kids should be out at least playing an hour a day just to get that physical activity going. Well, that becomes a habit, I think, over the course of life. And the longer we can stay active, the better off we will be physically. Scientists have researched exercise and have seen that it is linked to happiness. There is a doctor by the name of Michael Babiak who did a study. He used 156 volunteers, and he divided them into three groups for a period of six months. And they each had a different regimen. The first group was assigned aerobic exercise for 30 minutes a day, three days per week over that course of time. The second group was assigned the same exercise, um, and they were also given an antidepressant, Zoloft. And the third group wasn't given the assignment of exercise at all. All they took was Zoloft for some of their 
depression. So at the end of the study, these volunteers were tested to see if they still had kind of some depressive disorder, and the results were amazing. About 55% of the volunteers who had been only given Zoloft had become happier or had uh, somehow overcome some of that depression. The second group, 65% of the volunteers who had been given Zoloft and did uh, the 30 minutes of exercise three days a week, um, they had gotten better. So uh, from 55 to 65%. The last group, they were the ones that only exercised. 90% of them felt better at the end of the time than even the other group. And so this doctor was suggesting that exercise might have been the most important ingredient in this whole uh, experiment. So that's interesting. Now, I do realize that the length of strenuous activity depends upon your personality, your build, and that type of thing. There are some people that can run a marathon. There are some people that can run a 5K, and there are some people that can run for coffee. So, I mean, um, you know, we're all kind of different. But I think what we need to take to heart here is that physical uh, activity has a profound effect upon our emotions. So motion affects emotion. Let me say that again. Motion affects emotion. So what's the downside, though, to all of this activity? Well, the only temptation that I see in this whole thing is that Sometimes people make projects, exercise, involvement in sports a means to escape reality. In other words, sometimes there are people that can have no downtime. You know people like that? They can have no downtime. They always got to be doing something. So the temptation might be, activities might be a means of avoidance, not to deal with the inner world that we have. In other words, maybe activity and exercise is like an ostrich hiding his head in the sand. So we all know people who love to keep busy. They never slow down. But that can then lead to becoming a workaholic or overly compulsive, that type of thing. And the question is, why? Why do I always need to be busy? Is it to escape something? Or is it to impress other people in some way? So uh, Paul is concerned in this text here, primarily about your spirit, but your physical plays into your spiritual as well. So remember this, that we live in a world, we live in a nation that loves to supersize everything. So the more calories we intake, the more movement we need to stay fit and trim. So we have to be careful of not supersizing everything uh, that way. So um, another way of looking at this is what Paul says in a different book of his, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you were bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. So physical fitness does have an element of giving praise to God because he is the one that is entrusted the life that we have. So that's the first thing, strenuous activity. And it's uh, mood uh, adjustment that it can provide for us. The second thing is sleep. 
So in this parable, if this individual worked hard all day long, if he moved rocks, if he dug dirt to find this buried treasure, then at the end of the day, he needed some adequate rest. So some doctors believe that sleep is the single most important behavioral experience that we have in life. Um, think about this for a moment. We spend a third of our life sleeping. It's interesting. A third of our life is in bed sleeping. Why is that the case? Could God have created us in some way where we didn't need that much rest? Well, it's interesting that the Bible has much more to say about sleep than it does about exercise. So if you were to go to a concordance and you were to look up things like sleep, you'll find that sleep is often used as a metaphor. Uh, sleep is often associated with the temptation of getting lazy, but sleep is also considered a gift from God. Psalm 127 verse 2 says, it is in vain that you rise up early and go uh, late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for God gives to his beloved even in their sleep. Isn't that a great passage? God is restoring you somehow by having a good night's sleep. Now, there are those of us, and I'm one of them, that have difficulty sleeping. Um, and to be able to not wake up and fall back to sleep quickly uh, does have an effect at times. There's other members of my family that can fall asleep anywhere and everywhere and stay asleep anywhere and everywhere. Um, not just my wife, that's also my kids too. Uh, and I look and I go, oh man, I just wish I could crowd out all the noise around me and be able to stay asleep, you know? I'm a light sleeper usually, and as a result, I wake up easily. And those of us who have dogs uh, know that. They give the most inopportune times to want to go outside. Uh, so anyway, sleep is in many ways an indispensable, important part of our life. And um, sleep in many ways is almost like a parable. And what I mean by that is when we go to sleep, we are reminded that God continues to stay awake. God is continuing to work his will in the world even when we are unaware of it. The sun will continue to rise in the morning. God manages the world quite nicely, and he doesn't need my help. He does it when I'm sleeping. University of Michigan professor Norbert Schwartz conducted a happiness study, and he said this. This is quite interesting. The results were $60,000 more of annual income had less of an effect on a person's happiness than getting an extra hour of sleep. Fascinating. I'm not sure any of us would believe that. I'd like to test that out, right? But sleep is an interesting, um, it's an interesting gift that God gives to us. Our society, I think, has formed unhealthy associations with sleep. Uh, those unhealthy associations uh, took uh, hold primarily through the development of the Industrial Revolution uh, where more uh, productivity could be accomplished. Um, we don't have siestas during the day like other countries, that type of thing, because we're driven more by the dollar, right? We always have to be producing more and more and more. 
It's interesting that Thomas Edison, the inventor, said sleep is a criminal waste of time. That you can't survive without a good night's sleep. And there's a number of things that can go wrong without sufficient sleep. And, I, and uh, Annie is back there. She's a nurse. She could tell you some of those types of things. And I think you have found even when you have not had enough sleep, you slur your speech, you uh, are more forgetful. There's just things that can happen. Uh, if, if you fall asleep at the wheel, you can get into an accident on the road and so forth. Now, how many hours you need of sleep to feel well, that's different too. All of us are different, I think, in that regard. Did you know a python sleeps for 18 hours every day and a giraffe sleeps only two hours every day? What an interesting contrast. So most uh, health professionals suggest that we should at least be getting between six and eight hours of sleep a night to maintain health. So good sleep and healthy relationships are important as well. When we don't have enough sleep, we can get short with other people. We can get cranky. Uh, we can take it out on other people. So what's the temptation? Temptation here is because we like to sleep that we are sleeping more than we need to sleep, right? And we can become a little bit slothful. So I read for you earlier Proverbs chapter 24, and um, whether it's um, that type of thing or not, it is a, a constant reminder that this whole thing between strenuous activity and sleep is a delicate balance. It's a delicate balance. Staying active, burning calories is on the one hand versus getting enough rest on the other. So here's how I'd like to summarize this. Joy and happiness are enhanced by the balance of these two supplements, strenuous activity and sleep. So I come back to that principle that we began our service with today. Get in the habit of asking yourself, does this support the life I'm trying to create? If I'm sleeping too much, is it supporting the kind of life I'm trying to create for myself? Or if I never rest enough, if I'm always going, is this, trying, is this creating the type of life I want? So only you can answer those questions. I can't answer those questions for you. But I think it's an important uh, aspect that we need to keep in mind. So joy and happiness are a part of this world of balance and wisdom. And hopefully you can take away some insights in your liturgy I've kind of put some thoughts there under strenuous activity are things like projects, exercise, and sports. Under sleep and rest are things like relaxation and recreation. Even the simplest things, whether it's a walk in the park or riding your bike around the block, uh, is often a way of relaxation. So you have to factor in relaxation, not just physical sleep as well, how it renews you. So would you stand with me as we close this morning? you're going to notice I'm all over the place in this liturgy with where I'm drawing information. There is a passage in Psalm 4, verse 8. I like this. The psalmist says, In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, uh, O Lord, will keep me safe. In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, will keep me safe. 
So I ran across this quote. Um, there was a preacher back in the 1800s by the name of Charles Haddon Spurgeon who was called the Prince of Preachers because of his eloquence and the way he was able to put things. And I ran across this. He, he did uh, a sermon on that one verse he gives to his beloved in their sleep. I thought it was very profound, so I'd like to close our service with it. He says this, The sleep of the body is the gift of God. So said Homer of old when he described it as descending from the clouds and resting on the tents of the warriors around old Troy. And so sang Virgil when he spoke of Palinus falling asleep upon the prow of his uh, ship. Sleep is the gift of God. We think that we lay our head, heads upon our pillows and compose our bodies in a peaceful posture and that, therefore, we naturally and necessarily sleep. But it is not so. Sleep is the gift of God. And not a man would close his eyes did not God put his fingers on his eyelids. Did not the Almighty send a soft and balmy influence over his frame, which lulled his thoughts into uh, quiescence, making him enter into that blissful state of rest which we call sleep. True, there are some drugs and narcotics whereby men can poison themselves well nigh to death and then call it sleep. But the sleep of the healthy body is the gift of God. He bestows it. He rocks the cradle for us every night. He draws the curtain of darkness. He bids the sun shut up his burning eyes. And then he comes and says, sleep, sleep, my child. I give thee sleep. So maybe we don't need to count sheep. Maybe we ask God, would you give me a good night's rest? That might be a very apropos prayer. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, today's message was a little bit unusual because we are looking at something that we all participate in, but we often take for granted. Help us to learn how to balance these two things between activity, whether it's strenuous or whether it's recreational, and rest and relaxation and sleep. And Father, help us to see how to balance these qualities out because you have given us this gift called our body. I pray that we'll take good care of it for your honor and glory. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week, everyone. Good to see you all.